Welcome recruits to the Galactic Federation Prisoner Teleport Center. Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Alright. Now can we go to Neverland? Can we, Uncle Walter? Huh? Huh? Maybe please, huh? We're almost there. Hey, you guys go and get set up for the big finale, okay? Come on, animal! Places, everybody, for the opening number. Opening number. Clear the stage. Okay. Hey, Fuzzy, hit it. W Radio. Your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show. Your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 124 for the week of June 21st, 2009. Thank you for tuning in once again, and a very happy Father's Day to all the dads and dads-to-be, especially my dad, my hero. We'll start off this week's show with some news and a trip to the Walt Disney World rumor mill, where some old rumors have surfaced again, but look as though they may be closer to reality than rumor. Planning for a Walt Disney World vacation is one of the most important and fun elements for an enjoyable trip. And when traveling to Disney with a large group or family, it can afford everyone opportunities to make incredible memories together. So this week, I'm joined on a roundtable by three brothers and sisters who have planned vacations with a large group as we discuss the logistics and experiences and offer advice to others thinking about similar vacations. And whether your family is big or small, close or distant, I think you'll find this segment both interesting and valuable. I'll have another Where in the World audio contest this week where I'll ask you to once again identify sound clips from Walt Disney World for a chance to win a prize package. Listen for more of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Starting off this week's news, Walt Disney World's online dining reservation system for its restaurants is now available at disneyworld.disney.go.com slash restaurants. I'll put that link in the show notes, but you can simply go to that website, search for your dining location of choice in the search box or select restaurants or the dinner shows box to find your location. You can enter in either a single date or a date range of possible dates. It's available. You can go and book online with no charge. And if the time is not available, an alternate or some alternates will be offered to you. Guests can book 90 days in advance and will need to provide the names of everyone dining as well as the ages of children. Modifications still need to be made by phone or cancellations at 407-WDW-DINE and a credit card may be required to secure the reservation depending on the location. Now, I've had some time to play around with this. Very slick, very easy to use, very intuitive. Disney continues to tweak it since its launch last week. I think it will only continue to get better. I like the fact that they do give you some alternate dining options if what you're looking for is not available. And again, you can always still use the on, the non-online reservation system by calling 407-WDW-DINE. Disney PhotoPass has introduced some new options for their CDs, including a new CD 
that includes all of the stock photos that you can find available for use in their products other than the regular photo CDs on DisneyPhotoPass.com. For just $39.95, you get to own 300 high-res images of Walt Disney World stock photos, including many that are not available on the PhotoPass website. Now, purchasing the Photo Gallery CD grants you a single license to use unlimited use of the images for personal use only, which means that unlike other PhotoPass CDs that you may get, you cannot distribute any of the photos that you purchase. You can't use them elsewhere other than for your own photographs and for your own personal use. Very, very important. Also, for all the photos that you've uploaded and added the Disney borders to, you can now also order an archive CD for $19.95. That also includes the license fee to print the photos with the graphics. Again, for more information, more details, I'll put the link to DisneyPhotoPass.com. Star Wars weekends may be over, but coming this October in both Walt Disney World and Disneyland, you're going to find three new characters from the Star Wars Potato Head series available for purchase exclusively from the two parks. Chip Baca, Mash Toyota, and C3 Potato will each retail for about $12.95. Again, I'll put a link to some photos that appear over at StarWars.com in this week's show notes. Speaking of Star Wars, I want to give a real quick big thanks to the folks over at Lucasfilm and StarWars.com. I was recently interviewed about the relationship between Disney and Star Wars in light of the recent Star Wars Weekends events. I talk about the past, the present, and the possible future of the relationship, and I give some trivia facts and some questions as well. I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes this week. Finally in the news, Disney is testing a new Wishes fireworks dessert party in the Magic Kingdom starting on Tuesday, June 23rd, and continuing until Saturday, August 29th, it's going to be located by the Tomorrowland Terrace Noodle Station. The parties can accommodate up to 160 people and will feature an all-you-can-eat dessert buffet as well as beverages and are going to run from one hour prior to wishes through the end of the show. The cost is just $17.99 for adults, $9.99 for kids, and can be booked and must be prepaid in advance by calling 407-WDW-DINE. That's 407-939-3563. Take note, important here, the dessert reception is going to be held regardless of the weather, which means it's probably going to be in a covered area, but there will be no refunds in case wishes is canceled on account of poor weather. Again, you must prepay in advance, and it is non-refundable. Now, on to the Walt Disney World rumor mill, and I want to start off this week with one of the rumors that's really gained a great deal of interest lately, as possible leaks about it becoming reality continue to surface around the internet. And yes, I'm talking about Star Tours once again. Because now, not only does it seem like what we're looking for is not just confirmation of when this is going to happen, but some interesting new details are surfacing about what may be coming as well. Now, rather than simply just a makeover of the story and effects, in true Disney Lucas fashion, the entire experience is going to be something unlike anything we have ever seen before if these rumors are true. The storyline seems to take us to a period between episodes three and four. Thus, Queen Amidala is history, and so is Anakin, who's also now very bitter and for some reason chooses to wear a cape. Uh, contracts have been signed. Construction of the Death Star is probably underway, although it's been blown up countless times before in Star Tours. But I digress. The real wow factor here is going to come from the fact 
that unlike any other attraction or show or even simulator like this, not only will the story be told in digital 3D, but the story is going to change every time you ride it. Supposedly, and again, these are just rumors, there will be multiple variations in how the story begins and ends, as well as plot points in between. Obviously going to pay very, very close attention to this. If any or all this comes true, Star Tours quote-unquote 2.0 is going to be something truly, truly spectacular. So, speaking of rumors that not only never die, but may be getting closer to becoming reality, let's move over to Fantasyland in the Magic Kingdom, where I'm once again hearing talks of the expansion beyond just a new attraction coming to the surface once again. As I've discussed in the past, Fantasyland has a very, very large space available to it for expansion, as the Pooh's Playful Spot area only took up a small portion of the old 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea Lagoon, and there was already additional space behind there as well. So the rumor now is that in addition to a possible Little Mermaid attraction, similar to the one being built for DCA in California, the entire land may expand as well. And how will it expand? How about into an enchanted forest filled with Disney princesses, shows, a new attraction, storytelling, and special events. In fact, some of the surrounding literal and figurative landscape may change as well. We're keeping our eyes and ears peeled for more definitive information on this rumor as it comes out. Over at the resorts, I'm once again hearing rumors about Pop Century's legendary years being on the board for completion, but again, the, the subject of the animation theme instead of the legendary years theme is coming back to the surface. Now, as this one has been rumored for the last couple of years, I'm going to have to wait until I hear something a little bit more definitive before I start making my reservations. But if so, the animation theme and possible animation suites over at Pop Century would be a welcome and very, very unique addition to the resort offerings. Over at the Boardwalk Villas, they are rumored to be ready for a refurbishment that includes new flat panel HD TVs and new appliances with rehabs starting this summer through early 2010. Finally, over on the Disney Cruise Line, I've heard talk about the introduction of the Turtle Talk with Crush show or technology being added to the ships, possibly in a dining location such as the Animator's Palette, which also may be getting some additional interactive technology upgrades as well. Again, this is one of those you definitely have to wait and see if this is really true, if it's rumor, if it is true, if it's going to happen on the on the magic, on the wonder, or on the new ships set to debut in 2011 and 2012. As anything additional comes out, I'll obviously report it here on the show. If you have any news or rumors that you want to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to talk about anything we, I've discussed on the show, you can head on over to the forums at wdwradio.com or on the discussion board on Facebook. On the fan group, again, you'll find links to all these right in the show notes at wdwradio.com. Smile, hug, look at the camera. Hold your breath and say cheese. Cheese, little did they realize back then they were making memories. No memories. Making memories, making So much of my love and passion for Walt Disney World comes not from the attractions, resorts, shows, souvenirs, or 
insert easy joke here, food. Instead, it's deeply and firmly rooted in the memories that I made and continue to relish today of visiting Walt Disney World year after year with my family, from trips with just my mom and dad to our yearly visits after my brother was born to my father taking our entire extended family on an amazing vacation several years ago. The time I spent in the parks, at the hotels, and even the anticipation beforehand and reminiscing afterwards literally changed me as a person and obviously, hopefully, for the better. Now, today, I take my family on the non-research trips, of course, on similar trips, and I've begun to create a whole new set of memories now as a parent instead of as a child. And as I started to plan my own vacations, so much of the joy came in just that, the planning, from making travel arrangements to dining, scheduling everything on Excel spreadsheets, making up little booklets with itineraries, to finding the best deal and so much more. Every part of the experience brings with it a memory that, that still puts a smile on my face. But, but what about the family or groups that grow from mom and dad and the two and a half children to now adding in, you know, Uncle Walt and his kids, my cousin Vinny and his litter of children, grandma and her new boyfriend, Uncle Owen, Aunt Beru, and, and young Luke. Uh, there's a whole new set of things that you have to consider and a whole litany of logistics to manage. But I think with large groups comes great opportunity, both in the memory-making department as well as the experiences you can have while in Walt Disney World. So joining me today are a few members from just such a family. Josh, Matt, and Amber Olive are going to sit around the, the virtual roundtable to discuss their family's experience from that one little spark of imagination which led to the idea all the way through the planning, their time in Walt Disney World, their challenges, and, and so much more. So uh, Matt... Josh and Amber, forgive the long introduction, but I want to welcome you all to the show. Well, thanks for having us, Lou. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, you actually coming to me, Josh, with this idea, um, because I think, you know, we're, we're talking about getting this this large group together for a trip. And, and let's start off by saying th this is because of an experience that you have. When, how many people, when we talk about a large group, were, were we looking of taking? Fifteen. <laughs> And this is, when we say 15, this is not, you know, two families of, of seven and eight. We're talking a number of, of smaller families, correct? Yes, it was mom and dad, five children, their siblings, and then nephews, nieces. Wow. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm going to assume, and forgive me if I'm wrong, that, you know, you probably being one of the, the bigger Disney geeks like me, you know, maybe this idea came to you first or whoever it was how did the idea get started and was everybody sort of into the idea of 15 of you going down to disney world well that is a loaded question you are a lawyer <laughs> uh, my sister amber and i began kicking this idea around and we brought it up to the family and it got mixed reviews i suppose i should say and everybody said, yeah, we should do that. Let's look at doing that. Okay, one day we'll get around to it. And then the waffling began. Well, we'll do it someday. And it was always this far-off idea until Amber said, I've had enough. We're all going, and here's the day. And, and that actually leads me right to you know the planning. 
How far out were you starting to plan? A little over two years. Okay. We really cemented it in August of 2006, and the trip was scheduled for October 2008. And I think as we see and as we start to talk about some of the logistics and the planning, that that might be a good time frame to start doing this. And I think maybe the farther out, the better, because there is so much to consider, especially when you have a group of that size, correct? Yes. Um, There's a lot of coordination that has to be done, a lot of just work that has to be done to get everybody on the same page. Um, so, yeah, two years was about enough. I don't not know only that, that, you have to schedule time off. You have to raise finances and make sure that everybody is able to go without that excuse of, well, I can't afford it, because two years you can afford it. Right. right. And, there's, and there, like you said, there, there's a lot of things that I think you need to take special care and consideration of when you're doing the trip planning, everything from the costs to the accommodations to dining reservations that can accommodate, you know, 15 people. We'll talk about some of the special needs, things like that. But let's let's get into the travel planning. You've now convinced or begged or persuaded, whatever it might be, the 15 of you to start going. Amber and Josh, you guys sort of took the lead in the, in the planning? Yeah, I would say that's pretty fair. Um, Amber's the one who really decided um, she had had enough. And uh, she set the date and said, here's when we're going. So credit for that goes to her. If she hadn't put her foot down, I don't know that we would have ever gotten started. Um, Well, and then for Christmas, I just made up these piggy banks that I bought at Michael's that said Olive Family Trip or whatever. I just put on there, and then I put $25 worth of Disney dollars inside of each one. And for Christmas, I gave those to every one of our families. So it was kind of like, you know, that here's your here's your start now. Don't forget about it. Keep keep the money, you know, coming somewhere so we can actually make this trip feasible. Right, and I think a big part of it, especially maybe for people that maybe haven't been in a long time or you know haven't been maybe ever, a big part of it is that anticipation. Maybe before we get into the trip planning, we can talk about that because I think what you did there with the piggy bank and sort of giving them that little nest egg to start off with is a great idea and starts getting people excited, especially if you guys are going to be doing a lot of the actual planning. Uh, but Amber, you did something else too as the as it started to get a little bit closer. You gave everybody else um, a little extra gift as well, correct? Yes, I did. Tell us about the Disney Survival Kit. Well, I made these Disney Survival Kits. Matt had sent me the Disney font on my computer and so we were able to kind of print some things that, you know, I just wrote on the sides of these big bags, the Disney survival kits. And and I, I just tried to think of things that we may need while we're down there and um, things like that. But I just made one for each one of our families, which um, is was six different families, basically, total. And um, I put things in there like um, uh, first aid kits. And, you know, I wrote a little sticker on the top that said, you know, first aid kits, just in case we try to kill each other. <laughs> and, um, you know, I put some pixie sticks in there for a little extra, um, you know, pixie dust and uh, granola bars, water. I put buttons in there that had our, our family logo that we had kind of created. It said the Olives 2008 um, and different things like that. But I really started doing that probably about a month before we actually 
made the trip, and then I carried all those down there with us. But it was kind of a big hit because we decided to do T-shirts and buttons and different things like that that we were also able to put in those bags, which was kind of fun. But we put schedules and um, for our park hours and all that kind of stuff in there, too. So it was just kind of a fun you know, catch-all bag. But we did learn something very important about that because I put laundry detergent in there as well, and that did not work so good along with the pixie sticks. They kind of tasted like laundry detergent. <laughs> but they were still magical. It was magic. It's the thought that counts. It's a thought. <laughs> the, it, she also had an instant pirate kit in there for the not-so-scary Halloween party, so yeah. nobody could say they didn't have a costume. Yeah, now, we had an eye patch and a bandana and a little arg, you know, so... Now, a, a quick aside, you talked about going to, to Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Uh, obviously, you went in, in the fall, September, October. Time. Was that a, a deciding factor in when you were going to go? Did you try and plan it around a special event, or was that just sort of the most convenient time for everybody to go? My wife is a school teacher, and so her schedule is pretty severely limited, and uh, they get a fall break in October. And uh, since there's the not-so-scary Halloween party going on and um, the Food and Wine Festival, which is not to be missed, uh, as a fellow food devotee, uh, (laughs) I I would say that uh, we wanted our family uh, to experience that. Uh, Just to preface this whole story, the last time the entire family went to Disney World was 1988, the year that Matt graduated from high school. Um, My dad said, you know, this is probably going to be the last time we get to take a family vacation like this. And for 20 years, he was right. Um, So it had been a long time. There had been a lot of changes that took place at Walt Disney World that most of the family had not experienced. So getting to go to Disney World and have things like the Food and Wine Festival and the Not-So-Scary Halloween Party, those were just bonuses. So the timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, you know, sort of what the breakdown was as to how many times the group had gone or the last time. So, yeah, 20 years, obviously a long time. There's a lot to see. And just going back to the survival kit and the things that you did, Amber, I think that adds so much to it, especially for a group, because it sort of brings the group together. Um, It gives you a reason to talk, gives other people reason to get excited. But, Matt, let me ask you, um, you know, what was your maybe initial thought and what did you think as you start getting these you know eye patches and and piggy banks with disney dollars were you on board right off the bat or did you start you know did that sort of help you get into it as you got closer be honest here matt (laughs) well it took a little convincing for me but uh when she gave us the bank with the money in it or with the disney dollars that was a really good help and it, it sat on the dresser for a few months and uh you know josh every week would send us uh some Disney trivia. I don't know where he gets that stuff. I don't know. It could be some some, some hack Hello? wrote these Disney trivia books. He would send <laughs> Disney trivia to us about once a week. And so I always enjoyed reading that, and it was bringing back the old memories from when I had gone there as a kid. And so, uh, it, you know, probably about a year out, I started getting more excited about it and started socking the money away in the, in the bank that Amber had given us. And uh, I don't know, maybe it was January or February of 2008, I think Josh was starting to get a little tired, and so I was getting more excited as he was kind of winding down, and I started doing the the pep talk sort of thing. I would send photos and, you know, little things that I could find out to everybody to sort of energize people and get them excited about going. 
Interesting how you go from being somewhat non-committal to you know to being the guy that's that's now sending out the pictures and photos. But that but that's it. I mean that just goes to show how the anticipation and and uh, of coming really sort of, sort of kind of brings it all together. Uh, right. And you guys also did something else too that a lot of people do. I think is a great idea, um, but you sort of took it to another level. You had the the you know the group matching shirts made up. Um, tell us about the shirts you did and, and when you gave them to people and, and how you did that. Okay. Well, I'm fortunate in that I own a comic book store and I know a lot of very artistic people um, who are extremely talented. So I called a friend of mine and I completed and said, "Hey, I've got an idea for what I think would be a great T-shirt. Could I get you to draw this design for me?" So she put it together, and uh, basically I've got Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, Space Mountain, and in the background kind of looming is Expedition Everest. And uh, I just have, it says Olive's Outfitters underneath, and then beneath that is kind of the scroll work that says uh, Expeditions since 1979, which was the year of our first trip. Uh, and I got bright red shirts, because, you know, at Disney World, you can wear whatever colors you want. And uh, we went ahead, and to make everybody comfortable with it, not everybody likes to wear a T-shirt, so for the ladies, we had the ladies' cut shirts made. And uh, that that helped soothe things over there. But when we would get enter the parks and we would wear these shirts, the, re- the response was fantastic. The cast members either worked there or that we were Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. But they would stop us. They would invite us to go backstage and do things. And I would have to say, I'm, really? <laughs> I'd love to go backstage and see what you've got going on, but I don't think I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> nor am I Canadian. So. <laughs> yeah, nor am I Canadian. Yes, exactly. And Although, that's one of the things. I, that's part of the reason why I like the idea. Not because you're looking for some sort of special benefit, but cast members will take notice, and it's fun. I mean, it's fun. I mean, I know families that have gone, and there's a different color shirt for each day. Some people like doing it because if they go with young children and get separated, you can go up to a cast member and say, "Hey, you know, Josh is wearing this color shirt, and I can't find him." And it's an easy way to to help spot maybe another family member as well. And we had them for the young kids because we had a, a one-year-old, we had a three-year-old, and a five-year-old. So we had little sizes all the way up to big, big Josh sizes. So um, that would be a thick, we had extra a, large. a whole range. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's now so easy to do that. You can have them printed on demand online. You can even do it when you get to Disney. You can go down to the designer tee. You can do custom shirts um, yep. in downtown Disney. Again, not all that expensive. You can put characters in your own sayings. Um, and things like that on it, but let's get into the um, let's get into the actual planning because there is a lot to consider. And one thing that people should realize too is that when you start talking about groups of this size, groups really of eight or more, uh, Disney does offer something special for you, and it's called a grand gathering. And if about eight, if if at least eighty percent of your group is staying on site on a, on a Disney accommodation, um, including the Swan and Dolphin, if you actually book it through Disney, you can take advantage of what they call a grand gathering, which gives you some exclusive options that people can, can participate in. Um, you can order the Magical Gathering t-shirts um, if you want. You can sped, schedule uh, special tours and uh, spa treatments, Amber, uh, child care even, 
And there's a lot of different things you can do. There's online planning resources. There are uh, different travel planning services that there are special grand gathering travel planners can do for you. So if you call Disney directly and want to book through them, they can take care of your priority seatings. They can take care of tours. They can set up photographic services and floral services and also give you access to some special events. Um, And I just want to point out quickly what they are because I'm not sure if you guys took advantage of any of these. You can do an international dinner and illuminations dessert reception. um, And you can actually have that at, at Epcot's Odyssey restaurant, which, as you know, is closed but you can have a special event there. It's hosted by Auntie Roz. A uh, lot of great character interaction with that. There is a special safari celebration dinner uh, that, that really starts when the safari closes, and you can sort of get your own special tour. There's a good morning gathering at Tony's Town Square. There's magical fireworks voyages. Lots of different things that you can do. Uh, now, obviously, I think we can all agree, and we'll talk about your experience. You can call Disney directly, but... Tell us about what you guys did. Did you guys use a travel agent? And, and if so, is that something you would recommend? Uh, yeah, we used a travel agent, and I would absolutely 100% recommend anybody use a travel agent. Uh, there are several reasons for that, but uh, to start off with, when you're booking a trip two years out, um, Disney hasn't released their rates yet. They haven't done a lot of those things, and the travel agent can roll her eyes but book it for you anyway. Um uh, which is a little bit more difficult if you just try to book online by yourself. Um, for another, uh, we we went through AAA. I'm a AAA member, and we went, went through AAA, and we get a room discount through AAA if they have the rooms available, which booking that far out, they do. Uh, so we saved right off the bat. Uh, we had decided that we wanted to stay at a moderate resort since this was sort of a uh, you know a one-time shot to get the whole family back together again. Uh, we're trying to be very cost conscious and and that sort of thing, but we decided to stay at a moderate resort and we chose uh, Port Orleans Riverside. And we saved two hundred dollars per room for six rooms right off the bat. Wow! Um, and then as things went on, uh, we all put down our down payment, and final payments were due in August before our trip in October. And shortly after we had put down our final payment, Disney had released a special uh, neighbor offer for all the neighboring states to Florida, which basically granted them Florida resident rates to the parks, which then, since we had a travel agent who was looking out for us, she changed our booking. She got us booked through that special offer. And uh, we saved another $500 per room. So we saved $4,200 by going through a travel agent. Right. And that, and that's a great to show. I mean, that's a huge amount of money really driving home the point that, I mean, yes, there's nothing wrong going through Disney. But if you do go through a travel agent that will be looking out and then can apply those specials as they come out, that's the huge benefit right there. I mean, notwithstanding the other things that they can do for you, um, the other arrangement that they, that they could help make. And tell us maybe about some of the other things beyond uh, the resorts that the travel agent was able to do and some of the benefits you got from using an agent. I told her where we wanted to book our ADRs, and we talked about which restaurants could handle 15 people, um, with one of them being a one-year-old. Uh, and we have uh, one of our sister, Lori, has got some... Uh, 
uh, dietary needs. Um, so most everywhere on Disney can handle that. But she had things that, you know, there's things she likes and doesn't like. And so we wanted to be cognizant of that as well. Um, and so she helped us make our ADRs for that well in advance and get notification that we had a birthday one day um, at our ADR. Um, so, yeah, she was very helpful in getting us where we went, where we needed to be when we needed to be there and making sure that everything was ready for us. And I will say that I wish you could have heard her the day she called me to tell me that she was going to be putting $500 back in my account. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about spreading some pixie dust. She was about as giddy as a schoolgirl. Um, and that was a lot of fun for me then to turn around and call the family and let each of them know, hey, guys, we just got this fantastic deal. Um, so yeah, I liked that phone call. That was a good phone call. <laughs> that was a good phone call. Um, I got her a T-shirt made up from our trip as well that I gave to her. Uh, which I'm sure she has no interest in wearing, but she has it anyway. No, I'm sure she appreciated it. I'm sure your family looked at you as, you know, you are the hero now uh, with, with the $500 return before you even get on property. Well, yeah, it elevated my geek status uh, as the guy to go to in the family for Disney stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, but, you talked to about um, some of the other things that the agent did for you, and one of the things, you know, that you mentioned that people need to take into consideration when you're talking about a group that size are the ADRs and you know tell me how you guys were able to balance where, not only where you went and deciding I mean was this something you guys all talked about or was it just a Josh and Amber this is where we're going and then finding out well hey maybe 15 people can't go and eat there uh, you know, we talked about it and we really you know we looked at it and said where do we want to go what's going to be a lot of fun and since Amber and I had been more recently than everybody else. They did kind of give us a little bit of free reign to say, no, you're really going to enjoy this. We should try this. You picture 15 people varying in age from 57 to 1 at uh, the 50s Primetime Diner, Primetime <laughs> Cafe, with a waitress uh, who was really enjoying her role. We had a blast. Amber's husband is an instigator, and he got us into all kinds of trouble. And that was one of the most fun meals I've ever had anywhere, let alone at Disney World. It was fantastic. It was fun. Yes, it was. Yeah, so we got a great picture of mom and dad, um, each with their own straw in the same milkshake. <laughs> it's very, very 50s on a date sort of thing. So, Matt, you would just pretty much put all your faith and confidence into Josh and Amber to plan this out for you, or is that something that you wanted to have more of a, of a hand in? Or, or did you want to just kind of be surprised once you got there? Well, I knew they were the experts. As he said, they had been there more recently. And so, you know, he described a few different options to us. And I, I told him whatever he wanted to do would be fine with me. So I think that's what everybody else did is we just said, you guys are the experts. You know more than we do. So you decide and we'll go. They know I'm the expert on food, Lou. <laughs> Josh is actually a fairly picky eater, so we knew if he liked the food, we all would like it. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to say that, Matt. <laughs> let me go back to uh, let me go back to the resort real quick. Um, when you guys made your reservations, did you ask specifically, "Hey, can we try and get all of these rooms in a certain area? Can we have them near each other? Can we have them connected?" And how willing were they, if that was the case, to do it, or were you like, "Hey, put us on the opposite ends of the wing because we need a little space." 
We well, had a couple of specifications. We had yeah. a few rooms that we wanted adjoining, and we definitely wanted to be kind of close together. And we were trying to get on the ground level, but right before we we left, there was a couple of issues with that once we got down there. So Josh can tell you about that. Yeah, the only thing we had any issue with was getting a floor on the ground level. Um, at so We had specifically requested Alligator Bayou and had even given them building requests, which, I mean, we know that they're requests. They don't have to you know, put us where we asked just because we asked because everybody would be in the same building in the rooms closest to the bus stop. But um, they were very gracious. They put us in uh, Building 16 at Alligator Bayou, and it was fantastic with the single exception that every room they had given us was upstairs. Normally would not be a problem, except that we had a special need crop up about a month before the trip. Our dad, out playing golf, um, managed to sever his right carotid artery. Uh, how uh, that is a mystery for the ages. <laughs> Your dad's a pretty hard, he's a pretty hardcore golfer, I would assume. <laughs> is it full contact golf? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, if you're hitting the ball and the ground, you, you hit the ground just hard enough and your head is at just the right angle and that artery just kind of twists in there and it was an internal thing. It just severed and Every once in a while, if you turn your head the right way, things would go amuck. Um, and it was a pretty severe problem, and it took them a little while to figure out what, what exactly was going on there. But with that, and he has a mechanical mitral valve from uh, a surgery several years ago, we knew that walking around Disney World, Disney World is huge, and it's hot, and it's muggy, and he was going to be fatigued. Uh, so I had rented him, without his knowledge, uh, an ECV. And the problem with being at Alligator Bayou is that they don't have elevators in those buildings. So we had to have at least one downstairs room. It took a little bit of fighting to do. Um, but we, we stuck to our guns and we, we said, you know, we'll, we'll take it in a different building. We're perfectly happy anywhere you put us. We just need a downstairs room. And they managed to find us one in, in the same building, so that was excellent. Uh, and we had that ECV in our room for two days before my dad uh, was told about it. Uh, he's a proud Nobody man. Nobody wanted to tell him. Nobody no. wanted to tell him. <laughs> he's a proud man, and uh, he can get by on his own just fine. He doesn't need any sort of concession like that. Uh, until I let him walk around Disney World for two days, and at that point he was ready to take it. So, Josh, you actually are leading me to something else I wanted to talk about because I think there are, and you were on the roundtable when we talked about special needs at Walt Disney World and how accommodating they really are. And clearly with a group of 15, there are inherent special needs there. You also had some additional special needs of your own, not the least of which to mention, you know, your, your dad, your, your, the, the golf as a weapon. You've also got children who are four, three, and one year old. Um, we've talked about some of your special challenges as well, dietary restrictions, uh, latex allergies, all these kind of things now coupled on top of the 15 people. Again, how was Disney as far as working with that, with the large group uh, and, you know, ADRs and dining and all those kind of things? Just like they have been every time I've ever encountered them in anything, they've been nothing but accommodating. They were able to squeeze us all in, uh, 
at one table at Liberty Tree Tavern. It's kind of an L-shaped there. It's a little odd, but they did it. Um, you know, as far as dietary restrictions go, they had no problems there whatsoever. Very accommodating. Um, transportation was just fine for the ECV that we got from my dad. Um, you know, I've been there a lot, so I'm used to dealing with, you know, what I can do and what I can't do and you know, where I need to seek accommodation. So that was easy enough. And I could, you know, if it came to a ride where, you know, if you're really tall, you need to sit at the front, I could tell the other people in my party who had the same issues, and we could kind of work things out that way. But just as always, Disney, very accommodating with special needs. Right. And actually, what you said made me think about two things. Number one was you've got 15 people that you now need to transport from Port Orleans to the theme park or the restaurant. How did you guys do it? What Did you guys do use... Uh, cars? Did you have um, a bus? You know, did you take the bus? How, what was the best way that you found to to move this sort of large group around? We all have our own preference. Yeah, we all have our own preference. Uh, some of us would take the bus just because we didn't want the hassle of driving, and some of us would rather drive, take the van, and, and do it that way. Um, the ECV fit in the back of Amber's. Uh, what is that thing? A Yukon. A Tahoe, yeah. It fit in the back of that. So they would just fold it over, and my brother-in-law and, and my dad would pick it up and put it in the back of that, and it was better for him than trying to you know, back that thing up and maneuver it onto the bus. Well, one day one we spent 11 people riding in that thing to get to yeah. one of the parks. And the benefit of the AAA is also they gave us a diamond parking pass, so he could park right. that right up front. True. And it's so, you know, you were talking about the dining and, and Liberty Tree Tribune, great example. You, you, they were able to accommodate you at an L-shaped table. Again, 15 people is a lot. Did you find that there were any places that couldn't, or, or if you did have to dine, they said, well, we're going to need to separate you into tables of four or six or eight, whatever it may be? They originally told us that about Liberty Tree, actually. Um, they said, well, we're going to have to put you at multiple tables, and that wasn't my first choice, but Liberty Tree for me is the best dining option in the Magic Kingdom. And uh, I wanted everybody to experience that. So we said, okay, that's fine. If you can want to put us at different tables, that's great. Uh, so the ADR, that's what they told us would happen. But when we got there, they actually found a way to put us all together at one table. And I think that really shows the importance, too, of trying to make, especially for a group of this size, trying to make your ADRs as far out as possible. That will give, you know, that'll definitely give you the probably the best opportunity to get tables together and maybe the day of calling and seeing, you know, if they told you in the past that they couldn't, calling and seeing or getting there early and seeing if, if they can seat you together. And yeah, we kind of found, sorry, Josh, we, no, we kind of found that we had to schedule our dining, um, you know, where we could, and then we actually kind of made our park schedule where we were going to be each day sort of around our dining. <laughs> See, I like the way you guys think. No matter what the reason, you schedule it around that's, food. That's the, way yeah. to, that's the way to tour the parks. That's exactly what we did. And we did. So that's kind of where our schedule came from. And then, you know, after that, once we had the dining sort of set down, we started saying, okay, well, we're going to be eating here, we're going to be in this park that day, but then there's a not-so-scary here that night, so we're not going to that one, and it kind of just dictated where we were going to be and things like that. Right, and I'm sure there's a couple of restaurants 
like sci-fi dining comes to mind right off the bat that you probably cannot get a car that's going to fit 15 people. But if you want to go there, have that experience, uh, understand you might be separated, which is possibly not a bad thing when you're traveling with 15 people for eight days, uh, you know, and it's very warm. But and, and to that end, how did you guys do it as a group? Did you did you find yourself doing everything together, all 15 of you? Would you separate? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, recongregate for meals and then sort of go your own way? Yeah. A lot of times, yeah. If we had days scheduled uh, where the whole family would be at the Magic Kingdom and we would say, we're going to do these rides together. Um, you know, uh, or, or at the Epcot, I wanted to see my dad's face the first time he rode Soaring. And... It was fantastic. I didn't watch the film at all. I just watched him, and that was a blast. So, you know, things like that. We scheduled it around the food. We wanted to do certain things. There were things I wanted to see the whole family do. Some of them were successful, like Soren. Some of them not so much, taking a three-year-old who's a little bit scared of the dark on to Pirates of the Caribbean as his first ride at Disney World was perhaps That was a bad move. <laughs> Uh, he was a little bit nervous on uh, It's a Small World after that. <laughs> this is another evil boat coming to kill me. Uh, <laughs> but one of the things we did was we scheduled time off from each other, from you know any responsibility to meet up and do anything together at all. Uh, we that were there was from, huge. Yeah, we were there from a Saturday to a Saturday, and we had Tuesday and Thursday both scheduled as completely free days. If we saw each other, great. If we didn't, great. Uh, and that that helped everybody kind of recalibrate and do things at their own pace, go where they wanted to go, pursue their own interests without having to be accountable to anybody else. Right. And I have to assume that's probably one of the best tips that you might give is don't try to schedule all 15 people every single day to do the exact same thing because you will need the survival kit because it will get to a point that you're going to kill each other. And And Matt, maybe you can speak to that as somebody who was sort of brought along on the trip. Did you like having that time on your own and sort of separating from the group because maybe there were things you did want to do or didn't want to do? Yes, I did. Uh, and my wife needed that time also. She she doesn't want to be around everybody <laughs> every day, and uh, I understand that. So I, we do need that time. And uh, we ended up even spending that time together some uh, amber and i our families went together to downtown disney on one of the off days but it was good because there was no commitment and we could just do whatever we needed and it does keep you sane right and i think having the the idea of uh giving people some itineraries and some planning and stuff to carry around every day with the schedules is great as long as you're not trying to force or lock people in because that's going to detract from your experience and from their experience, um, I think, as well. Absolutely. Yeah, Matt, Matt actually Matt made, a... made up our whole schedules for us. He, he put the logos for every park on there, and he had all the hours on there for extra magic hours, which parks, it was everything. With the and, ADRs uh, and confirmation numbers. Birthdays, the anniversaries, the whole, it was like, it was a perfect schedule. I'm a designated geek. So See, you're I, sit, I you... do the Excel stuff and all the photo stuff. And so Amber took those schedules that I made in Excel and she laminated them. She shrunk them down and laminated them and those were in the survival kits. So at a glance you could tell which parks had the magical hours and what what days and what times the parades and fireworks shows were and 
that came in. And what hand. park we were going to be in that day. And what park. Right. Yeah. And that's great, too. Again, if you guys are separated either intentionally or unintentionally, it's it's an easy way to sort of find out where people are going to be at what times without being right on top of each other all the time. Um, but you did do something else where everybody did get together for the most part, and that were some special events. And these kind of things, Josh, you talked about, you know, 20 years in between these type of reunions, special events, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever it might be, can really play an important part of that. Um, and, and you did ha- did have some of these things on your trip. Tell us about what they were and how you planned them and what those were like. Well, initially, uh, we had looked at some of the green gathering opportunities, thinking, you know, how often are we going to do this? And Disney offers these things. We want to take advantage of them. We had settled on the magical fireworks cruise with the Peter Pan characters and all that. Um, and they ended up shifting the not-so-scary Halloween party schedule to the night that we were going to do that. So it wouldn't have been the regular edition wishes. It would have been Hallow wishes, which is awesome. But we were going to do that later. So we we opted not to, to do that and instead looked at the not-so-scary Halloween party as our own grand gathering, um, which was a lot of fun, uh, watching my dad go around on his ECV with his pirate patch, and that was a hoot. But uh, we had a couple of birthdays. Uh, Matt and Tamara had their 18th wedding anniversary, and uh, Matt actually did some very cool planning there for his son's third birthday and his 18th wedding anniversary, if you want to talk about that, Matt. Sure. uh, We ended up celebrating my son's birthday on the first day we were there, October 4th, and uh, I got a Mickey Mouse uh, head cake from the bakery, and it was... It was at our, our hotel. I had it delivered to the uh, to the Riverside Bakery, and I picked it up there, took it back to the room, and we did the happy birthday thing for, for my son and for my niece, who was turning one. And that was great. I highly recommend it if you have a special event and you want a cake, you call the cake hotline. And you can set up a cake for a birthday, for an anniversary, uh, retirement, whatever you want, they can do it. And you can have them delivered in the restaurants, you can have them delivered at your hotel, and it was well worth the money, and uh, I would absolutely recommend it. It was a small cake, but boy, was it good. You would have liked it, Luke. (laughs) It was a good one. It was tasty. Why does everybody look at me as soon as it comes to food? (laughs) I wasn't even there. (laughs) But, yeah, Matt went to some special trouble uh, for his anniversary, and I would not have pegged him. I've known him, you know, my whole life, so since he was five years old, I would not have pegged him as uh, a romantic. But tell him what you did for your anniversary, Matt. Well, I started searching around for what I thought would be the perfect anniversary dinner because our second day there was our anniversary and uh so i kind of settled on epcot and through my research decided that i would like to do coral reef because it's got good ambience and uh you know who doesn't like to watch these fish swimming around so i selected the coral reef restaurant got my reservation i made it about five and a half months out and uh i scheduled a diver through the manager of the restaurant and the diver came over to the window stuck a sign up that uh, said thanks for 18 magical years, happy anniversary. That was a big hit. And uh, the other thing I did was I emailed some photos to the manager of the restaurant, 
and she printed out a special menu for us with our photos inside. So when we sat down to dinner, they handed us our menus. My wife opened the menu, and there's photos of us over the years. And that was a big hit with us and the table next to us. The woman jerked the menu out of my wife's hand hardly before she saw it. The a very popular thing. But I've, I've learned that they no longer offer this service. It stopped in January, is my understanding, which is a shame because it was well worth it. Right, but what one thing that with the birthday parties and the cake and what you did at Coral Reef is that for these types of gatherings, there are a lot of different opportunities above and beyond the ones that are enumerated on the website, like the Illuminations Party or the Safari Dinner or the Magical Fireworks Voyage, which is too bad he couldn't have done. I would love to actually do that, uh, not just because you get to see Wishes and the Electrical Water Pageant right on the lagoon, but you also have Captain Hook and Mr. Smee there. Um, there's Patch, who's another pirate. Um, they do trivia, you know, as you're sort of uh, floating along the Seven Seas Lagoon. Um, you know, you know, there's stories and things for kids and adults, and not all that bad. It's, I think it's at $42, $43 um, per person. And again, if you have one of those special things like a birthday or an anniversary, it'll really, uh, that could be something else special that you can do. But you can sort of customize it however it is that you want. And again, whether it's Disney or your travel agent, they'll be able to help put all that kind of stuff uh, together for you. Yeah, they're very, very flexible in, in helping us plan all those things and, and make this what we wanted it to be, which was a way to bring the whole family together again. 20 years is a long time. Uh, my mom and dad, they had never seen Animal Kingdom. Uh, my mom had been since they had opened uh, MGM Studios, but you know, for my dad, all of this was new. And the whole trip could easily be summed up the first day we were there we got off the bus right outside the magic kingdom we're walking toward the turnstiles i turn and i look at my dad and he has this huge grin plastered on his face and i said what are you what are you thinking and he just looked at me and he said i never thought that this would happen hmm. uh, and he was happy as a clam and uh, that that was what that whole trip was about for me i was gonna say that must have been it right there i mean that that's sort of the culminate that that's what you hope to see. Yeah, he kind of spoiled it by putting it so early. Uh, <laughs> you know, all the anticipation was gone then, but uh, I'm teasing, of course. It was, it, was, it was a moment. It was really the kind of thing. It's what you wanted to see, and I was very, very glad that we were able to, to put that together. Well, and the other moment was riding my dad's favorite ride, which is It's a Small World, and all 15 of us fit on a boat. That was a close um, there's, thing. <laughs> there's not a whole whole lot of rides where that many people can ride it all together at the same time. So that was really fun. Yeah, we managed to, to put in a few of those with the whole group together. Uh, pretty much any of the larger boat rides, we could get everybody in one vehicle. Um, Kilimanjaro safaris, we were all able to get into one vehicle. Um, but, yeah, those moments where we could share that were, were absolutely priceless. Well, and as you were talking about that, um, instantly what came to mind is obviously capturing these memories and bringing these home. And when you have 15 people or, or more, uh, even less, it's got to be hard sometimes to get everybody together and take pictures. And the and again, the first thing that came to mind was the use of Disney's PhotoPass photographers. Um, again, there are special things that you can set up 
as part of a grand gathering with uh, Disney's photographic services where they can actually have a photographer to meet your group at your resort or a theme park um, to take several photos, sort of your own private photo session, um, and then you'll get a, a book of proofs, as if you were doing it like for a wedding. Um, you can order that, obviously, um, something you need to book in advance. But what about something like PhotoPass? Did you guys take advantage of the PhotoPass photographers? We had never used PhotoPass before, um, but Matt looked at it and said, hey guys, I think we should try this. And so we said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea with this many people, let's do it. And Matt handled it all from there. Well, it's a value you can't beat. I, I listened to your show about it a couple of weeks ago, and when you pre-order that CD for $100, and you've got six families, you just can't beat it. We came out of there with, I think it was around 700 photos after I did some editing to them. But, uh, you know, I got, everybody got a photo pass card when we got there. And when everybody went their own way, they took their photos, and at the end of the trip i took all the photo pass card numbers with me since i'd pre-purchased the cd and i entered them in and i got a disc sent to the house and then i burned copies for everybody because you have the copyright to those photos and i was able to give everyone a cd with all these photo pass cds and it's absolutely worth a hundred dollars right plus also it, it saves you from having to worry about getting another guest to take your picture or who's not going to be in the picture again, because these are memories that you're going to take with you. And again, you want to share with everybody else in the family as well. Right. And we had some great group shots of us in front of the castle that I don't think we could have had a guest or, you know, someone else walking by, grab our camera and take a picture like that for us. So that's really a priceless photo. And you're yeah, literally just work. walking around. You're literally just walking around like, hey, we already got the photo pass. Let's just shoot away. So you want to just, anywhere that they're taking pictures, I mean, what the heck? You've already paid for it. Just, you know, take as many pictures as you can. Yes. And on top of that, what we did was everybody every night would hand their memory card over to Matt, who had brought his laptop, and he would download everybody's pictures. So on top of having the photo pass photos, we also had our own individual photos that we could all compile into, as I said, 2,500 pictures from this trip. Right. I burned DVDs for the entire family that had every image that every person took, all the photos, past stuff, and every image that every individual took. On It actually ended up being two DVDs, and uh, I sent those to everybody. So we all have the photos. There is a ton of memories. Everything we've talked about tonight, I have photos of. See, now that's funny, because from our initial conversation, you sort of feigned, oh, you know, you weren't all that into it. Quietly, you're I'm discovering that you really are the hardcore guy. You were doing all the stuff pre-planning, and afterwards you're getting all the photos together. Um, this was maybe like a, a big turn for you, going from the initial, you know, sort of ambivalence about it to, I'm now organizing 2,500 photos into DVDs. <laughs> Yeah, and now he's into, like, Walt Disney World books and trivia. That's what he wanted for Christmas, you know? Well, yeah, and I, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a, a brother that drew my name for Christmas, and I got lots of good news. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I really, I, I guess six months out is when it really started catching on for me, and the closer we got, the more excited I got. And, uh, you know, I had my son turned three while we were there, and so I was kind of building him up and, sort of holding Disney school here at home, getting him ready to go. 
And, you know, my magic... Holding Disney school. <laughs> my magic moment was when we walked in to uh, the Magic Kingdom oh. and he first saw the castle, he pointed at it and said, look, Daddy, it's Disney World. And, I mean, that's just priceless. And so I really did get excited about it. And uh, I've maintained that excitement since. And I'm ready to go back. And that's the thing that I think makes Disney World and sort of separates Walt Disney World from trying to get a group together anywhere else. Because I think, for the most part, except for those, you know, late night hours when you've just been together for way too long and you're way too hot, it bring, it, it affords you the opportunity to do some of these special things. And do you guys feel, you know, I hate to use the word, do you feel closer after this trip, maybe because of where you went and because of the type of experience that you had? Absolutely. Yeah, no question. We spent time talking on the phone and, and, you know, just getting excited about this and stuff where we probably wouldn't have been speaking to each other, you know, not about those kind of things. It just just gave us something to talk about together and to get excited about together. And and then finally, you know, it was here and we got to do it and we're still talking about it, you know? Lou, when we were kids... um, Matt used to beat me up a lot. I want that on the record. Um, oh, boy. Here it goes. <laughs> Just so you know, you cannot use this podcast in any legal proceedings afterwards. So. <laughs> but uh, we, we were never those close brothers that you see on the Waltons. You know, we, we were always at each other's throats, and, and uh, we fought like cats and dogs all the time. But the one thing... When my mom and dad would say, all right, kids, we're going to Disney World, that was the magic elixir. Uh, We would sit up at night until goodness knows how long, maybe 10 o'clock, you know, it was very late. Uh, But we would sit up in our bunk beds, whispering back and forth, making plans. Okay, first we're going to go ride Space Mountain. And uh, we were there the year that Big Thunder Mountain opened. So, wow, okay, now we're going to go do that. And we would sit there and make these itineraries that would make you blush. Um, all the things that we were going to do. And that was one of the things that that drew us together. It was one of the one or the few areas where we got along. And so when we got there, he, he would do a couple of things. You know, we'd go out to one of the sea racers and he would, get a big wake going and they would cut into it and water would pour over the side and I would be soaked. Um, but those kinds of things aside, Disney was the one place we could go where we were in lockstep, perfect unison and happy to be together and going and doing our thing. And this trip rekindled a lot of that where you know, that's something we have in common that's positive, and I'm not trying to tag along with him and his friends and making him look bad because his little brother's just, you know, hanging around all the time. Now it's something we can go and do together and talk about and laugh about and look at the pictures and go back through. So, yeah, as bringing us closer together as a family, absolutely. And that's what I was going to ask you. You know, did you find that you had those moments where he says, hey, come on, Josh, let's mean you go on Soren. Let's mean you go on, you know, Expedition Everest you know, two brothers just going, sort of reliving some of those memories from, from 20 years ago. Well, yeah, that's, that's absolutely, 
we're talking about that right now. We were going, what if just the three of us go this year? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out something like that. Matt is a military man um, getting set to uh, retire from the Navy, and the military deal that they have right now, which you talked about just a couple of weeks ago, uh, is extremely it's tempting. Path, we're yeah. trying to figure out a way to make it work. I'm sure. We, I'm sure where there's a will, there's a way. And but I mean, that's the great thing is that it seems like it rekindled not just a familial bond, but you've got this sort of common thread and common th- tie. And maybe people who for 20 years might not have thought about going to Disney World now want to go not just with their family, but with their extended family as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and there, Matt's passing this along to his son now too, which is a lot of fun for all of us to see. I call it brainwashing the kids. That's what I've been doing since birth to mine. So. Yeah, I've been doing the same to my kids. <laughs> but uh, is there any, um, you know, looking back on the experience and, and the the challenges and the hurdles and the memories, whatever it is, are there any one or two tips that maybe one of you or each of you would give to people who are looking to be, maybe get a large family together down to, to Walt Disney World? I would say you got to do your homework. You, you, you've got to kind of know the gist of what your family wants to do or your party, whatever kind of group you're going with, um, and then kind of just make a schedule and make sure you have plenty of time to get it all organized because it doesn't just happen by itself. Somebody's got to do it. And if you don't have somebody kind of running the show, then you're going to get down there and be probably a little bit more disappointed because then you're going to go, well, I wish we'd have done this or that, and... If somebody would have just, you know, made the reservation or something like that, somebody's got to be in charge and do that. And then the second thing I would say is those days off are key. You have to get away from each other. <laughs> Once you're down there, you got to. And every, everyone has to be flexible. If you don't have that flexible frame of mind, you're, you're going to get bent out of shape. And you just got to go with the flow sometimes. I would say one of the other key elements uh, – is to make sure and get everybody's input, get everybody's buy-in. Uh, you know, there were things I wanted to do, restaurants I wanted to eat at, but I couldn't just tell everybody, this is what we're doing. Uh, I had to, to say, what do you guys think? You know, I, I wanted their input. If Without their input, it would be a forced march, and that wouldn't have been any fun for anybody. Uh, but having everybody's input, I think, is critical. I mean, even if you're the biggest Disney geek, you know everything. You have memorized volumes one and two of Lou Mangiello's Disney World trivia. <laughs> Still have to let the other people have a voice in what you're trying to do because they're going to be there and they can make or break your vacation for you too. Right. And look, with any Walt Disney World vacation, you know, planning is critical. Um, I think that is exponentially more important with a group of this size. Um, I, certainly, whether it be ADRs, where you're going to stay, the schedule, whatever it might be. And because part of the fun is the planning, you know, maybe logistically it's not possible if you have people coming from all different parts of the country to actually sit down and get together. But if there's ways that you can share the information, share the planning as much or as little as people want to be involved, that'll also not only make sure everybody's happy once they get there, it'll enhance the anticipation, it'll enhance the experience because planning is really half the fun. It, it really us. is. Yeah. Planning and education. Uh, we were raised Disney geeks, and uh, our spouses not necessarily so. 
so we spent some of our time, you know, at Christmas, uh, when the whole family was together over Christmas, we would go through the Disney vacation planning video and say, this is the resort we're looking at staying at. And when they have that visual, they can look at it and go, okay, wait a minute, that actually looks really nice. That was a very big help. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's some education. There's some of that. But flexibility, planning is absolutely key. Yeah, and I think that's where, too, um, again, you know, you can call Disney directly. Um, I'm going to put the phone numbers and all the links and everything in the show notes this week. You can call and talk to them. Obviously, go to the website and find out more. But a travel planner, um, a, a, a travel agent can help you so much because you do know that you have to book a lot of these events six months out. And especially if you're going during busy seasons or holiday seasons like Christmas or Easter, uh, you know, how the dining plan factors into it. There's a lot of different things to take into consideration above and beyond a, a normal sort of family vacation or, as I like to say, research trip. So, um, again, it's it's these uh, assets are out there. Um, their services are free, whether it's from Disney or from a travel agent. So by all means, absolutely take advantage of the information and the uh, the services that are out there for you. Absolutely. It, it's silly not to. They're there, and like I said, they're free. Absolutely. And certainly, like I said, in addition to getting other adult members of the family involved or, or your teenagers involved, there's ways to get your kids involved, too, and get them excited about it and get them uh, you know, excited about the trip leading up. Is there anything that you guys did for some of maybe the younger people in, in the group? Um, well, Matt said earlier that he, he took his you know son to Disney school and started renting movies and things like that or doing whatever. And I would get Disney movies from our library if I didn't own them. Um, we could get some from the library for free, and we started watching things. And, it's, of course, especially things that we're going to for sure see or ride while we were down there. But one of the other things I did for our kids were to um, – I we made a paper chain out of uh, um, construction paper, and it was something he got to help me do. And we put it all together, and each one of the, the chains represented – um, a day closer to Disney World, and so he got to rip one of the chains off of the the thing every day, and he kept saying, you know, there's only six left, or, you know, things like that. So he started getting excited about that, but one of the other things that my dad did for all three of his grandkids, and this he started about a year before we left, um, he started piggy banks at his house that he would give each one of the kids a quarter every day, and he would set the quarters out, and every time they came over, they got to put the quarters in their own bank. And so by the time we went, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but by the time we went, each one of the three grandkids had a, about $100 to spend at Disney World that was their money that they could buy whatever they wanted with. So that was kind of a fun way, too, to kind of run into Papa's house and grab your quarter and put it in your bank and know that that's your Disney money that nobody else gets to do anything with. So that was kind of exciting, too, for them. Right. Lou's we, just we, thinking we, about all the press quarters he can get with that. <laughs> we watched lots of Disney movies, and I, I would go to YouTube, and we would watch uh, parades on YouTube, and we would watch, or we would look at photos online of the Magic Kingdom, and you know, I'd sit them in my lap and describe everything to them. And like Amber said, we would watch movies that had rides, like Peter Pan. My son didn't see Peter Pan until about two months before we went to Disney World. And Peter Pan was his absolute favorite while we were there, which was great because he got to meet Captain Hook and all this good stuff. So you just go over the movies and the photos, and I think that really preps them to go and makes them enjoy it that much more. 
And then one of his photo pass photos, they actually put Captain Hook, the cartoon character, in the photo, and it looks like Elias is fighting him in a sword fight, which is really cool. I mean, and that's great because it really evidences the fact that, you know, your family's Walt Disney World experience does not stop and start when you walk in and walk out of the Magic Kingdom. It starts far before and it continues long, long after. And by getting people, especially a large family and people maybe you haven't seen in a long time, together beforehand, getting excited, doing some of the planning, doing some of the research, and then being able to share all these memories afterwards uh, really makes these kind of grand gatherings for large groups um, so wonderful and makes Walt Disney World the ideal destination. So uh, I want to thank all three of you for taking the time to come on, talk to me about your experiences, uh, offer some tips for other people who might be thinking about it. Again, I'm going to put links in the show notes to Disney's website. I'll also put phone numbers so you can find out more about grand gatherings and magical gatherings in the park. Uh, So Josh Olive, Matt Olive, and Amber Olive, uh, thank you both. Thank you all again very, very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for having us, Lou. It's been a lot of fun to talk about it. It's another way we can relive the trip. It's time for this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest. We didn't have one last week, but this week I'm going to go back and try another audio trivia contest, simply known as Where in the World Have You Heard This? So once again this week, instead of testing how well you know your Walt Disney World trivia and history, we're going to test how well you listen when you're at the parks. So what I'm going to do is play five audio clips from Walt Disney World And I'm going to ask you to identify where they came from in order. So all I need from you is to send me an email with the five clips in order, as well as your address and your shirt size, because the prize this week, once again, is an all new navy blue WDW radio silkscreened logo t-shirt. So without further delay, tell me, where in the world have you heard this? And someone to watch over to keep her out of trouble all the time. Purple and blue from Twilight Hours. Test sequence is downloading and we're clear for dispatch. Okay, let's move them ahead for test one. After years of stumbling around, we launch a new idea. Our first safe highway, water. You will be on board Body Pro Bravo 229er. Your mission will take you to the location of that splinter. So there you go. There are your five audio clues. This time, you're going to have two weeks to enter the contest. So you'll have until 11.59 p.m. on Saturday, July 5th to email your answer, your address, and your shirt size to lou at wdwradio.com. I'll take all of the correct entries, put them into a pool, and I'll randomly select one who will win the WDW Radio Show t-shirt. Hope you guys are enjoying these. I'll keep doing these as well as some other trivia contests in the future. So as always, good luck and have fun.
That's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Big thanks. Go to Josh, Matt, and Amber Olive for joining me on this week's roundtable. I posted a new video this week. It's an exclusive interview with Disney miniature artist Robert Olszewski. We talk about his career and work on the Disney miniatures and other products, as well as tour the art of Disney with the artist, showcasing some of his work. I'll have more videos coming out this week and in the future. Look for those on the site, in iTunes, and on YouTube. I have some overlooked experiences, some things I think you're really going to enjoy over the next few weeks or months. If you subscribe to the show, they already should be downloading. Again, you can also find them right at wdwradio.com. I mentioned on last week's show some possible dates for upcoming Meets of the Month. These are the tentative dates. Once again, I'm still trying to firm up exactly when and exactly where they are going to take place. When they are confirmed, I will post them on the forums and on Facebook, both on my page and on the WDW Radio fan page. So, July is tentatively scheduled for Saturday, July 11th. August is tentatively scheduled for Saturday, August 29th. September will most likely be Saturday, September 26th. That is the weekend of the Adventurers Club party, as well as the Expedition Everest Challenge. So a lot going on that weekend, also food and wine. October, it's most likely going to be Saturday the 24th or Sunday the 25th. That is the Tower of Terror race weekend. Again, links to all those will be in the forums and on Facebook. Don't forget, if you are up in the Pacific Northwest, come by the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet on Saturday, August 15th. I will be there. Margaret Carey, the original Tinkerbell, will be there. There'll be a Disney and a show in sale, pin trading, speakers, displays, all kinds of stuff going on. For more information or to purchase tickets in advance, head on over to pnwmousemeet.com. Don't forget, if you have any questions that you want answered on the air, you can send them to lou at wdwradio.com. Or if you want to be on the air yourself, just call the voicemail toll-free, 888-703-2171. If you want to stay connected, one of the best ways to do it is to follow me over on Twitter. Sign up for a free account, get my instant updates, play games. I send photos from the park, lots more. Twitter.com slash Come by on Facebook, friend me up there, and join the new WDW Radio fan page. All those links right on the homepage at WDWRadio.com. I know it's been way too long since I've done my last WDW Radio live video broadcast and chat. I'm trying to schedule one as soon as possible. Again, best way to get updates on those, Twitter and Facebook. I'll definitely be doing one soon, I promise. Celebrations Magazine. To subscribe or purchase back issues, you can visit CelebrationsPress.com. And if you want to contribute, whether it's an article, a letter to the editor, a photo, a suggestion, or if you have time and talent that you'd like to help share with us, come and visit us over at celebrationspress.com. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. They are my recommended travel provider. You can find them over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, everybody, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell others about it. Post about it in Twitter. Review us in iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook and join the WDW Radio Show fan page. And join the forums at wdwradio.com with more than 32,000 like-minded, welcoming, friendly family members. Come on over, free to join again. That's wdwradio.com. Look for the forum link at the top of the page. And of course, my friends, thanks as always. You know I mean that for tuning in, for taking time out of your week. I really, really do appreciate it. So until next time, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. Remember to always keep moving forward. Happy Father's Day. Thank you, Dad. See ya. 
Hi, Lou. This is Sharon from the suburbs of Cleveland. I just listened to show 123, and the one comment that I have to make about the Empress Lily is I really appreciate that you do do all the interviews on location. Please keep that up. It, it almost brings the excitement of listening to the show um, when you're there, not just in a studio somewhere. And I have to tell you a funny thing. Uh, just this past week, um, I had my uh, daughter's two-year-old birthday, and I was officially called a Disney freak um, because of listening to podcasts like your show and um, constantly looking on the Internet um, about things about Disney World. And you know what? It's okay. I laughed with them, and um, I heard comments of how uh, Disney hasn't changed in certain areas like Fantasyland and, and how it's not like Universal. And, and I don't want it to change. I want it to stay the same. I haven't been to Disney many times. And um, I think at one point in time it just hits you of how special uh, Disney World is and um, of how um, even as an adult um, that there's not many things in this world that has an innocence and, uh, and just an enjoyment of imagination. And I think that's where uh, Disney World just, um, and Disneyland hits it very well. And uh, I just tell my kids, the older you get, don't worry about it. Just have fun in your life and, and don't grow up too fast. Keep the child in you. And um, I just really appreciate your show, and I do enjoy at the end of the day listening to it, and um, it really does top off the day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hi, Lou. It's Michael from Melbourne, Australia. That's D 78 on the boards. Just wanted to thank you for the show. Uh, living in Australia, we're about 9,700 miles from Disney World, so we don't get there as often as we'd like. But uh, your show brings us some Disney magic each week, so it doesn't seem quite so far away. just wanted to say I really enjoyed the interviews you did with the custodial and horticultural cast members. Uh, it's just amazing what they're able to do each night to make the park look perfect. Uh, and I really enjoyed hearing a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes each night. I also wanted to say we love getting each issue of uh, Celebrations magazine. The, the articles are just great, and the photos, we just love the photos too. So, Anyway, from your biggest fans down under, uh, thanks for all you do, and, and keep up the good work. See you, Lou. Hey, Lou. This is Teddy Z calling from New York City. I'm a longtime listener, uh, going back to the Mouse Tunes days, and I look forward to your show every week. I actually got my kids, John and Jenna, hooked on your show, too. Hey, John. Hey, Jenna. They surprised me a couple of weeks ago when I heard their voices on your voicemail at the end of the show. Actually, I've got a surprise for them. They don't know this yet, but kids, we're going to Disney World to celebrate John's 12th birthday. Surprise! Maybe you can give us some tips for special things to do in Disney World to help us celebrate, Lou. Anyway, thanks again for a great show and we'll all be sure to keep listening. Take care. Lou, hi. It's Jason from Kentucky. Uh, wanted to say, of course, as always, love the show. It's a great show. Did really enjoy your segment uh, with the writer for the Ridley and a, a Pearson, I believe is the last name, the, the writer of the Kingdom Keeper series. I had not heard of that. My wife and I listened to it on a Sunday afternoon drive, and 
at the end of that drive, I headed to a Barnes & Noble and picked up their only copy of it that was left. So I've, I've started reading that really enjoy it. My thought being, and I've, I've asked you about this before, I like your, your delving into different mediums of Disney, uh, not straying too far from the parks, but still looking into different mediums. And I really think fans who are interested in the Kingdom Keepers series would be interested in the Kingdom Hearts like video games and things like that where it's taking characters but putting them in somewhat different settings, etc. Really think that that would be something of interest to talk about in the future. And in fact, I know there there are two Kingdom Hearts games that are coming out later this year. One for DS, which a lot of young people have those. I think you've mentioned previously that in the parks, Disney might be looking at doing something with the DSs, and uh, also one is coming out on PSP. So thank you very much, Lou. Greatly enjoy the show, and uh, look forward to seeing if you could if you can have someone talk about that just a little bit. That's some different mediums, of course. Thank you again. Bye. Hi-dee-ho, Lou. This is Laura from San Diego today at Disneyland. And I have just watched our new fireworks show, Magical is what it's called, and um, I was nervous going into it because I so enjoyed Remember Dreams Come True. It uh, made me cry, honestly. But, but so I was kind of nervous going into it, and now that it's over, I still miss Remember Dreams Come True. <laughs> or I should say, now I really miss Remember Dreams Come True. It's, it's um, not bad, but... It doesn't quite have the power that Remember Dreams Come True did. So, it, you'll like the beginning, though. It starts off with Peter Pan. So, it's been a good night here, though. Talk to you soon, Lou. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is Anne. I'm from Milton, Georgia, but right now I'm sitting at the beautiful Fort Wilderness Campground at my site, and I wanted to leave a message to let you know that we went to Sanaa on Thursday, and had dinner there at um, Kidani Village, the new Disney Vacation Club. And um, the, although the restaurant bills itself as an African-themed restaurant, it does have a heavy Indian influence. Um, it was really, really good. It was quite delicious, and the atmosphere was wonderful. But um, the, the portions were a little small. Um, overall, we loved it, though. Um, the other thing to know about is that if someone's celebrating a birthday in the restaurant, all the servers have drums, and they beat their drums and walk around the restaurant, which that was a little distracting. That, those are the two negatives, the portions being a little small and the drums. Other than that, I would give it five stars. It's fabulous. Um, thanks, and we're going to be very sad to leave here on Tuesday at the end of our 10-day trip, but I'll be looking forward to hearing your podcast again when I get home. Bye. Oh, hey, Lou. This is Chris calling from North Carolina. And I have a comment about the Wayback Machine segment from show number 122 about the Swan Boats. I agree. I think that would be a wonderful experience to see Return to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, But I see some of the challenges about it having a relatively limited appeal uh, and or a small capacity and some of the maintenance costs that would be associated with it. And I'm wondering if I think I might have a solution to that. I'm wondering if you could do something which is similar to the guided tours, uh, which 
are run on uh, various parts of the property. If you could model it around a guided tour metaphor where you signed up for it, there was some sort of charge to participate in the experience, but it was done more of uh, from that perspective of talking about the history and pointing out interesting uh, vantage points or architectural elements or things like that. I think that would appeal to the kind of folks who sign up to take those tours today. Uh, I don't know if you'd have to charge as much as you charge for uh, one of the longer multi-hour tour experiences, but it might be a way to make it work. Maybe not something as involved as a tour, but almost something like uh, booking an advanced dining reservation. I mean, you you pay an amount to, to go to a restaurant and have some food, and sometimes you, you get a time slot for that, and there's fixed capacity. So I don't know. I, I think maybe there'd be a way to make it work. Uh, good segment, great show, love the work, and uh, always keep moving forward. Oh, hello, Lou. This is Chris from North Carolina calling again. I just left a message about or a comment about the Swan Boats uh, Wayback Machine segment. And as is always the case, after I hung up, I thought of something else. Instead of having it be a separately booked uh, event like a tour, what if it were added as a feature of one of the tours which is already there? I don't know. Um, That might make it part of a longer experience. I think it still appeals to the same set of folks. It uh, gives Disney a lot of ways to try to play with the maintenance cost and capacity trade-offs. And you would add that visual element uh, back to the park, which uh, I agree. I think that would be a good addition. Anyway, uh, thanks for the show. Keep moving forward. So for Suda, Lou, this is Brian from Beaver Creek, Ohio, calling in from the happiest place on earth, Disneyland, California. Thinking back to your episode 58, where you had a panel of guests talk about your visit to Disneyland, I can now tell you that I, too, unfortunately or fortunately, walked on poo. I also had a chance to get a hold of uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and end up in that hot place where not so nice people go after they die. Uh, just when I'm enjoying myself greatly here, that your episode 58 was a great help kind of preparing uh, what to look forward to, to look up and look around here at Disneyland. It's amazing how much they pack into the park. Look forward to future episodes. Thanks for all you do. See ya. Hey, Lou, it's Josh. Um, it is time for everyone. Get excited. Hold on to your hats. Sit down. Make sure you have something to drink because, uh, well, it's time for more WW Visitor Tips. All right, for this week's tips, I'm going to give you two. Uh, tip number 12. Um, for anyone who enjoys the characters, because that's one of the fun of Disney World, is to meet all the characters and everything. Uh, mostly, you can listen to um, the May 10th show. I forget what show that was, but I'm on that show. And uh, Chuck Lionberger from DisneyDaddy.com.blogspot is on there, and they talk about characters and everything. But just for a quick one th- run through, um, mostly there are characters in Town Square when you walk into the Magic Kingdom in the morning. There's walk around characters in all of the World Showcase pavilions. But if you want to meet all the classic Disney characters, um, it's a uh, Go to Epcot Character Spot. There might be about a 30-minute line or longer when it's a busy day, 
but you can meet all, you can meet the Fab Five, you can meet Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto. Every once in a while, some uh, chipmunks, Chippendale may pop up. You can go to the Magic of Disney Animation there at Disney's Hollywood Studios, and you can meet, uh, right now, there's the characters from Up, which is Carl Russell and Doug the Dog, and uh, the Incredibles are there, and also um, Sorcerer Mickey's there. You can go to the Judge's Tent. Uh, you can go to Camp Mini Mickey and meet all the classic characters, and sometimes Coda from Brother Bear is there. And uh, tip number 34, for anyone... Well, I was playing the Spectrum Magic theme song. For anyone that wants to go to the Spectrum Magic Parade, uh, it's there, I think, every other night um, at the Magic Kingdom. It's the nightly parade with all the lights, Spectrum Magic. Get there an hour to an hour and a half. If it's a busy day, you're going to have to get there about two hours early. Line up, get your spot, and do not leave. Because if you leave two minutes, come back, it won't be there anymore. So that concludes for these tips, everyone. I hope you enjoyed them. And I leave you with this.